Hey everyone, welcome back to I Heart Movies. My name is Jonathan North, and in this episode, I'm joined by my friend Eli, and we're going to be talking about our top 10 films of 2019, or as you can probably tell by the title, the first half of our top 10. I decided to split this last one into two parts, and these will be the last of the episodes looking back at the movies of last year. In the first one, we talked about Disney live-action remakes with Soul. In the second, we talked all about animation with Katie. And in these last two episodes, Eli and I are going to be ranking our top 10 favorite movies of 2019. Eli and I always have a great time talking about movies, and he watches a much wider selection of movies than I do, so I thought he'd be a great guest to have on because I knew we'd have very different lists. And we definitely did. A bit of housekeeping before we get into the episode. As you might be able to tell, it has taken me quite a bit longer than normal to get through these last few episodes. I expected to have the 2019 recap episodes finished last month, and obviously that hasn't happened. I'm currently trying to finish up my internship, so that's been taking up the majority of my free time, which is why I finally decided to air this one in two parts. The editing was already taking me forever, and with so little free time, I just decided to make things easier for myself and make it a two-parter. Okay. I think that's all for now. Let's get on to this episode of I Heart Movies with Eli Sanza. My list has completely changed, even just in the last, like, 15 minutes, because I keep switching things around where I want to place them, because uh, my top two have not changed. They're, they've stayed the same ever since I watched them. But ah, okay. Between number three and number six, they all just completely shifted places like five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be tough. I got my tin right here. And uh, all the movies that I've uh, seen from 2019, because I haven't seen all of them, and I have a feeling if I did see all of them, this list would probably change. But... Mm -hmm. Based, based on all the movies that I actually watched, these are my 10 favorites. Yeah, yeah, same. Because I've, I've been trying to catch up, and there's still some I haven't seen, but I'm like, at some point, I've just got to call it quits because I can't watch every single movie <laughs> to yeah. catch up. Yeah, yeah. So I watched the ones that I felt were like most important to see, that I felt like they would somehow place in my list, and a bunch of them did, so... Yeah, same for me. Like I, I, these all the movies that I have on my list are basically all the ones that I, I, I had a feeling I was going to like before I even watched them. Mm -hmm. So these are very, these are very much me types of movies. But chances are, there's a chance that maybe we can uh, convince somebody to watch some of these things we've chosen if they haven't before. Mm -hmm. Well. That's kind of what I want to do first with, I have a choice that's not part of my top 10 that I couldn't decide if I should include it or not because it technically is not a 2019 film. It was officially released in 2018, but it got a wide release in 2019, but not wide enough that it ever came anywhere near me. But I finally got a chance to watch it last night and I really liked it. So I wanted to talk about it. So before we even begin, I wanted to mention this one film. It's called Fast Color. Have you seen that one? That's because I have not seen this. Okay. It's really good. It's a, it's sort of a superhero movie, but in a completely different way. It's sort of, um, I don't want to say post-apocalyptic because it's not really post-apocalyptic, but it takes place in the future where some something has happened and basically the Midwest is a desert. So it's sort of post-apocalyptic. Like everybody has to buy water because there's no way to get water right now. 
Anyway, there's this family who for the last few generations, the women in the family have been manifesting these powers where they can like take things apart at a molecular level and put it all back together again. And then this one, the person who's the main center of the story, she lost those powers when she started having seizures that became earthquakes. So this, this movie is her trying to move past a bad life that she left behind because she was a drug addict. And she comes home to her mother and daughter and basically is trying to turn her life around. But there's these people hunting for her. It's really good. It's really it's a lot slower than most superhero movies, but I really enjoyed it and they left it open for a sequel. So I'm really hoping we get a sequel. But I I really recommend that one for people who like science fiction superhero movies. It's not the same as like Avengers or anything. It's not that kind of superhero movie, but it's really good in its own right. Yeah, they don't have like capes or anything. No, no, they're just normal people. Okay. Do you know if this is, uh, because I've never heard of this movie, do you know if this is based on anything or if it's original? Um, I'm not sure. Let me look up the Wikipedia page. Looks like it was an original screenplay. Wow. A super, uh, like, it's like a superhero sci-fi movie, but it's actually not based on a comic book. That's rare. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd heard about this back in 2018. I I saw a brief synopsis. I was really interested, but like I said, it it didn't get a wide release. It premiered at South by Southwest, I think, and that's the only place it was for like a year. And then it was distributed by a bigger company in early 2019. So that's when it got like the official theatrical release. So that's why I was kind of hesitant to like include it in a 2019 film because it's technically a 2018 film, but right. most people didn't see it till 2019 anyway. So either way, it, it was, it was competing for the spot at number 10 on my list anyway. So that's why I really wanted to mention it. Oh, that's interesting because you, you must've, if, if it was competing for a spot in the 10, you must really like it. Yeah, I did. See, I'm, uh, well, I am a huge sci-fi and superhero fan, and I am going to seek this out now. So I'm glad that you brought that to my attention. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it stars Gugu Mbathara. So I feel like this is sort of making up for her last sci-fi film that I saw, which was uh, uh, yeah. Cloverfield movie, which wasn't horrible, yes. but... It wasn't that great either. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this a lot better. I'm glad she's getting a do-over because like, cause the Cloverfield, the movie you're talking about is called The Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. And, and yeah, like, and I like her, but that movie, uh, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about that movie, but <laughs> the, this, this new movie that she's in, it sounds really good. Yeah, it is. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Okay, let's get into our real top ten. Why don't you start? Okay. The movie I picked for number ten of my favorites of all of 2019 is Marriage Story. Okay. Yes. Directed by Noah Baumbach, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver uh, as 
Nicole, an actress, and Charlie, a stage director, who are like spend the entire movie basically going through a lengthy and emotional divorce that involves like several lawyers and like counselors and child custody battles and arguments. And it was it was like a really in-depth look at the crumbling of a marriage that I thought mm-hmm. really resonated emotionally and it and I thought and the reason why I liked it was because it really captured realistically captured like the pain of going through divorce but also the subtlety of a relationship uh, between two people that slowly deteriorates despite the fact that they both actually still care about each other they don't really hate each other but they they both still like each other but Mm -hmm. They're both both realizing that they're getting that thing out of the relationship. And so it's not like I hate you type of like movie. It's more like it's more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. And you and you really feel empathetic towards both sides of the argument. It's not biased towards any of them. They both have good reasons to not like each other. And I thought that that was done very well. And it is on Netflix right now. So I watched it as soon as it became available. Yeah, I heard about that one. I've heard great things. I've also heard it's super depressing, so I decided that I didn't <laughs> want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, so like, you know, I have friends who say that they're not even going to give it a chance because it's like, not, it's just, just from the premise alone, it's not their type of movie. Mm-hmm. If you, well, if you can if you can handle that though, it's like it's like one of the best dramas of the year. I'm just gonna say. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't doubt it. I just, yeah. from the sounds of it, it really didn't sound like something that I would particularly enjoy. Yeah, and that's totally fine. My number ten is probably about as far from that as you can get, but <laughs> yeah. it stars the same person. Star oh, really? Wars Rise of Skywalker. Adam Driver. Ah, ah yes. Okay, we both agree Adam Driver is great then. Yes, definitely. This I wish it were higher on my list. I like I'm not one that hated it, but I didn't love it as much as I thought I was going to. But at the end of the day, even though I have some problems with the film. It was still Star Wars. I still had a great time. I still really enjoyed it. So I had to include it. But like I said, Fast Color was really competing with that for that 10th spot because I really like sci-fi. They're both really good sci-fi movies, but they're both completely different. So I decided to compromise and have Fast Color be sort of a bonus recommendation so I could talk about both. But Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker... I really liked it. I can see why people didn't like it, but at the end of the day, I'm a Star Wars fan, so I I enjoyed it despite its flaws, which you can say that about most Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so like no matter what the movie is, I'm going to I'm going to like it on some level just because I love that world that George Lucas created so much. Mm -hmm. So I understand what you mean by saying, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's got flaws, but you're saying that you're such a Star Wars fan that it just edged out fast color. Yeah. 
they're tied, but in completely different ways. Like, it's really hard for me to rank them. Like, like with most of these films, it's really hard for me to rank them. Because like I said, numbers three through six completely changed five minutes before we started recording. So I'm just, I have my top favorites, and it's really hard for me to try and choose which one is better than the other one, because there's so many subtleties about them that it's just, it's just hard. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you know what? If, as long as we both like the movies on our lists, I think people will forgive. It's, it's, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's your number nine then? All right, my number nine pick for favorite movie of 2019 is Book Smarts, which was about Amy, played by Caitlin Dever, and Molly, played by Beanie Feldstein. Uh, was I thought was really funny. Was, this, the premise alone is pretty interesting because they okay they feared that they wasted their entire high school year like well their entire high school experience focusing only on their academics and and when they realized all of their classmates who had who actually had fun in high school are actually going to places like Yale they realized that oh wait a minute this this person was having fun all through high school and they're getting into Yale maybe. We, maybe we should have had more fun in high school because we're studying hard and, and yet they're going and without working as hard as us. So the entire premise of the movie is basically, okay, we're going to have one last night of fun before we graduate. And the movie is takes place during one night where they do that. And it was basically like a, a female version of like Superbad. It was, and it was and just like that movie. It was always really raunchy and like R-rated comedy, but it was also hysterical to me. And I usually like movies that like take place within one day or one night. Usually those are kind of movies that are like really focused and like they, they just really focused on the characters and not so much on the plot, but like they're really character focused and those are usually the best kinds of movies. And so it really, I really dug it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see that one. It mostly didn't sound like it was going to be one that I'd really enjoy. I I did find it surprising that Rachel actually enjoyed it, which it really didn't seem like something yes. she would enjoy either. So yes, but never saw it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, I like you. I was also surprised that Rachel liked it because so, because you know you know Rachel she doesn't like the R rated things that much. Mm-hmm. But I also having watched the movie, I understand why she liked it because it was very despite a raunchy comedy, it was a really good story. Uh, like that was actually also, in addition to being a comedy, it was also really an emotional like character drama because there are some moments between the two characters that can get emotional. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick the main reason why I liked it, it was the comedy because it was really funny. Okay, well, my number nine, again, is about as far opposite of that as you can get. <laughs> my yeah. number nine is the Lego Movie Two, the second part. <laughs> ah, I liked that one. It didn't make my list, but I contemplated it. I, I totally agree that it's good, though. Yeah, I thought it was a great follow-up to the first one. I thought it was just about as creative. I really liked the music. It was purposefully earwormy, <laughs> but I kind of yeah. like that kind of music anyway. I really liked the characters. I really liked the new, the queen, whatever, Wanabi. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I liked her and Batman together. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. 
ridiculous but hilarious. Yeah. I really yeah, like that yeah. they got Maya Rudolph in as the mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I I really liked that movie. I really recommend that one to pretty much anybody. If you like any Lego movie, then I think you're gonna like this one. Yes. And as a person who really enjoyed the Lego movie and the Lego Batman movie, uh, I was already a fan of these movies before this. But and and, and it, this was a really good sequel, by the way, because it was mm-hmm. like it was really funny and, and it but you might recall it was kind of not not that successful at the box office. Yeah. Yeah, and I even though I even though I really liked it, I sort of understood why it wasn't successful because it, like I could see maybe there's Lego fatigue possibly happening right now, Probably. but that's kind of unfair though because it was really mm-hmm. well done. And I thought the movie deserved much better with the public. Yeah, no, I can see why people were hesitant because I know the reception for the last Lego movies, the Lego Ninjago movie. Yeah, I, even that one, I, even that one, I didn't really like. I, I enjoyed it, but not enough to add it to any favorites list. I just thought it was fun and kind of forgettable, but not horrible. Yeah, yeah, ditto. Okay, number eight. All right, number eight on my list is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. This was another, another, I I don't mean to like, go completely R-rated on my list, but this is another one that's pretty, like, adult-oriented. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it took place in 1969. It was about Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who was friends with his stunt double, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt. And Rick Dalton is a veteran Hollywood actor and star of a 1950s Western TV show called Bounty Law, and, and, and basically he fears that he's reaching the end of his career because he was a big star in the 50s and now that it's 1969, he's fearing he's becoming irrelevant. And so he travels to Italy to make spaghetti westerns, like the kind that Clint Eastwood used to make with like the good, the bad, and the ugly to keep his career going. And and there's also, there's some Charles Manson references here because the Manson family actually appears in this movie and they move next door to Brad Pitt's character and in addition to the complications that Rick Dalton was going through, the Charles Manson family cult that's moving next door also complicates their lives. And I'm not going to go into it because it's a crazy movie that you should that you need to watch and, and not hear me explain. But <laughs> it was really crazy and, and classic Quentin Tarantino fashion is really violent and really insane but most importantly the one the reason why i liked it is because it was it took place in 1969 and it felt like an homage to that era of like the last the last remaining moments of hollywood's golden age before it completely changed in the 70s and mm-hmm. stuff like that so i thought it was a nice a nice homage for like movie aficionado of which i am one of them yeah that's another one that i never saw really didn't sound like my kind of movie because of the violence. I just, the more violent or graphic something gets, the less likely I am to see it. But I have heard really good things about it. Yeah, well, yeah, I it just got nominated for a Best Picture at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I won't, and also I should add that I don't think it was like a perfect movie. I don't even think it really deserved to win Best Picture or mm-hmm. that it's even one of 
Quentin Tarantino's best movies, but I just like in judging it by its own merits, I mm-hmm. thought it was an entertaining film. Yeah. That's how I felt about most of the movies that I saw this year. I, well, I should say that. That's how I felt about all the movies I saw this year. I don't think I saw uh, one single movie that was perfect. Like last year, I had like a three way tie of movies that, at least for me, were pretty much perfect. Like this year, I had no movies that I would give five stars to. They came close, but I, it just felt like 2019 was not the greatest for movies. I don't know. There was some, there was a lot of good movies, but I didn't think there were any that were great. Yeah. I, I, I think I could, I could, I might agree with you on that. There, there are not that many that I would give five stars to. There are some I can mm-hmm. think of, but most of the things on my list aren't five stars. So I, mm-hmm. I, I might agree with you. But. Yeah. Well, let's move on to my number eight and mine is not quite as far off as, the last two have been from yours. Mine is Knives Out, which was uh, slightly violent, but not nearly as much as like an R-rated violent movie. Just slightly uh, violent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I, I've been meaning to see this one. I haven't seen it yet, but I oh, heard really? good things. It's totally the kind of thing I would want to watch, so like, I'm definitely going to, because mm-hmm. my girlfriend has seen it, and she's raved about it, but... I just haven't gotten around to it. But I'm glad somebody is bringing it up because this movie sounds good. Yeah, I just watched it a couple nights ago. It's been out for a while, but I didn't get to the theater to see it when it first came out because I was back home for the holidays, so I never got a chance to watch it. But when I got back to Ames, it was still here, so I made it a priority to get out and see it before it left. So I finally got to see it the Uh, other night. I really enjoyed it. Good. How, How would you describe it? Basically, it's a murder mystery. It's sort of in the vein of like a classic, I guess, maybe like Agatha Christie or something. Like everybody's being interrogated. The detective is trying to figure out motive and what even happened that night and figure out who killed this guy or if he was killed because it's set up like it might have been a suicide. There's just a not crazy cast of characters, but like an interesting cast of characters. And up until the big reveal, I did not know where it was going to go. And then it kept revealing more things that surprised me. Like, it was really well-written, really well-crafted. I really enjoyed the movie. It's one of those things that is best to just go in blind, because I had no idea what to expect with this movie. I pretty much read nothing about it, other than the fact that it was getting great reviews. And I'm really glad I did, because it's one of those things that just, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah, this is why I'm so interested in it, because I everyone I heard who talks about this movie says that it is a really well-written and you are very likely going to be surprised because a lot of people did not see where the story was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. really well thought out, really well written. I really liked it. Okay, well, then don't talk about it anymore because I <laughs> want to go in completely, I, I want to go in completely blind. Yeah, that's the best way to see this is, Go in blind. Okay, well then let's move on to number seven. All right, number seven is the movie Us, directed by Jordan Peele. Okay. This was a really interesting movie. I, I this is actually this. There's a debate between me and most of my friends about this because so I know some people who didn't like this movie, but I not only do I disagree with them, I thought this was like five star worthy good. 
the reason why I say that is because, okay, so basically it's a, a movie about this girl named Adelaide, saw her doppelganger in a Santa Cruz Hall of Mirrors as a child in 1986. And as an adult, Adelaide grew up. She has a family, a husband, Gabe, kids named Zora and Jason. And he is still haunted by the memory of that day as a child when she saw her doppelganger in that Hall of Mirrors. And when they decide to have a vacation in Santa Cruz again as an adult, she is reluctant to go back because of that trauma she went through. And then very predictably, he runs into the doppelganger again as an adult. And so does her entire family. They all run into doppelgangers that look just like them. And it's a very well done horror movie because I thought it was really, it was really, they set up the characters well so that you cared about them and what they went through. It was really suspenseful. The, the logic behind why there are clones of them is, there is a, a, a logic to it, but it's not, that important because the, the the scares that Jordan Peele concocts are the most important thing about the movie, and the, and he really succeeds well at like making horror movies, and that was the important thing. And that that might be why I disagree with some people about why it's bad, but because of my the the priorities for what is important, I think I I differ from other people, mm-hmm. but. In terms of judging a horror movie by how terrifying it is, I thought it was, like, perfect. (laughs) Well, that's one that, of course, I haven't seen. Like, I don't watch hardly any horror movies. But that is one that I keep thinking about. Like, every time I see something about it, I was like, I'm really curious about that movie. But I don't know if I want to actually sit through a horror movie (laughs) just to find out what's going on. But I am very curious about it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, I remember you saying that. I think you said you don't like horror movies in general. Yeah, I just yeah. maybe this one is different. But like every time I've seen a horror movie, it almost always has a terrible ending. Like I want closure. I want a good ending for the characters. Like even if there's a death, I still want it to mean something. I don't like it when people just die. Like horror movies always seem to have either horrible or disappointing endings. And I just don't uh, like going through that. Uh, well, you, you you don't like it when you're not satisfied by the ending. Yes. What you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's the case, I don't know if I would recommend this really to you. <laughs> because not to spoil anything, but, you know, it kind of goes the way you you would fear. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. So that's why I haven't gotten around to watching it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, my number seven, once again, completely opposite of what you have for number seven. And this is probably another one that you have not seen because this is a TV Mm -hmm. movie. This is Steven Universe, the movie. Ah, okay. This is... A follow-up to the show, Steven Universe. Steven Universe ran for five seasons on Cartoon Network. It was about a little boy who was half alien, like half alien rock. Like the aliens are literal stones and half human. And it just, it was about him growing up, discovering who he was, discovering his family's past. And then this movie was sort of a bridge between that series and a follow-up miniseries of him as a teenager. So this, he's like in between, He's I think he's 16 maybe? I don't remember. 
but he's older than he was in the in the series and he's basically he's brought peace on earth he's defeated all of the evil gems that have been coming to earth and now a new threat arrives that he has to deal with and this movie was definitely not perfect it rehashed a lot of things that were in the show which in some ways is good because it allows people who've never seen the show to watch this and not feel like they're totally lost. It basically recaps the whole plot of the show over the movie, which they did it in such a way that it didn't feel too much like a repeat. They did it creatively. So in that respect, that was really good. As far as the rest, I was a little disappointed that the story wasn't more original. So if that had been it, this would not have made my top 10. It would have been squarely in the middle of all the other movies that I saw this year. However, the person who makes this show, Rebecca Sugar, she is a great songwriter and she made this a full on musical. And I loved all of the music in this movie. Like it was going through my head for days afterwards. I loved the music for this movie. It completely saved everything that I thought was maybe slightly disappointing about the movie it negated all that. I loved it because of the music and that reason alone is why I had to include it in my top 10. Okay. See, I like that because I can point to a few movies I've seen where the music has actually saved the film. So that is a very legitimate critique you're making because it really can, it really can make a movie more watchable, more enjoyable, more less boring, anything. It sounds interesting because i did not know that it was a musical i know the show steven universe i've watched it before and i enjoyed it it was i thought it, it was a well done show with a lot of great characters in it but i have only heard about the movie i didn't watch the movie as you predicted and i've only heard people talk about it and i've heard mostly good things because it's a lot of people who like steven universe mm-hmm. enjoyed the movie as well and as someone who has seen the show, I predicted what the movie would probably be like because I didn't see the show. So I, I know I have an idea of what the movie's going to be like, but I didn't know it was a musical. So mm-hmm. it sounds like it would be more interesting than I would have predicted. Yeah, I feel like for most shows, like if they do a TV movie, a lot of times it feels kind of like they're phoning it in because it's basically an extended episode. But I feel like they really pulled out all the stops for this. They really went above and beyond what they needed to do to make a TV movie. And it was really fun. I really liked it. Despite my critiques of the plot, I really liked it. Okay, so you said that they recapped the series in this movie. Do you, you, are you saying that you think someone could watch this movie without having seen the show and enjoy it? Definitely. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's promising. I like that because that, those are usually the best kind of movies. Yeah. Even though it was, that is my main critique is they re, they recapped throughout the movie. They basically fill you in on what the series was about. They did it in such a way that it's totally accessible to new people who never watched the show. So okay. pros and cons, I guess. It, it was disappointing for me of wanting something completely fresh and new, but I can appreciate the fact that they did it in such a way that it was creative and good for people who would have never seen the show. Okay, number six. All right, number six for me. That would be a movie called Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Okay. Okay, so this movie 
was really good. Okay, see, it's similarly to the movie Knives Out, which we just discussed. It is better the less you know about it when you watch it, the better. So I'm not going to go through the entire plot, but basically the setup is, okay, there's a, a poor family who infiltrate a rich family and live in their mansion while they pose as like the family therapist, the family driver, like family tutor to their teenage daughter. Like they just slowly infiltrate the mansion and try to live off of the rich people without, without the rich people knowing they're doing it. They just sort of invade their house. It is very diabolical and hilarious, but the plan goes awry very quickly in very unexpected ways. And I thought it was a super funny movie. It was also really suspenseful, totally absorbing from beginning to end. It was like a part commentary on class, but also a part really suspenseful, like horror type film. Not, I don't know, a full on horror, I don't know if it, I would call it a full-on horror movie. It wasn't like, it is violent though. It, it gets pretty bad, but it was like completely absorbing and I really dug it. And I thought it was one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, I keep hearing about that. That's another one like us that I've been really curious about, but I'm hesitant because I don't know how graphic it's going to be. And I don't know if I'm going to enjoy the ending because I'm afraid it's going to have a bad ending. Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know if I want to watch it or not. Yeah. Well, if you don't like violence, I would definitely not recommend it. Yeah. I don't mind some violence, but if it gets super graphic, then I just feel like I can't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. But again, if you're able to stomach that kind of stuff, you're going to love it. I think it's one of the best movies of the entire year. And side notes. Like I just finished watching the Oscars and mm. it won best it won best picture. Yeah, I saw I saw that on Twitter. I was kind of surprised. I didn't think that yeah. they would give that to a foreign film, but they did. Yeah, me neither. Because it was it was a historic win because like this is the first time in history that a foreign language film has ever won both the foreign language film Oscar and the best picture Oscar in the same year, and so nobody saw this coming. But this is also the, like the first time like a foreign language film has gotten this kind of buzz. So in a way, it kind of makes sense. But I, but I totally, I totally think it deserves the Oscar. So that's great. Yeah, I've heard good things. I just personally, I haven't brought myself to watch it yet. <laughs> yeah, ho- ho- hopefully, I'll have something on my list that you will actually want to watch. <laughs> Hey, post-production Jonathan here. As you can tell from the fact that we're recording this episode the night of the Oscars, it's been a while since we recorded this. I'm currently editing this on the night of March 3rd, and the Oscars are February 9th, almost a month ago. Since then, I actually did go see Parasite. After it won the Oscar, I guess interest picked back up on it, so it came back to theaters. In fact, my theater here in Ames is still showing it. So, since we talked about it, I figured I should let you know my thoughts having now seen it. First up, Did it change my list? No. For all the reasons Eli mentioned, I didn't love this movie. It definitely was quite violent. My preference is superhero-esque violence with unrealistic fantasy action and minimal blood. And this had realistic, violent actions and not minimal blood. It wasn't disturbing though, at least for me anyway. There was nothing utterly horrific that made me stay up late at night regretting having watched it. So I guess that's a plus. 
Anyway, aside from the violence and adult situations, I definitely could see what all the fuss was about. This movie was gorgeously shot, the music was great, the acting was phenomenal, and it kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. From a writing and filmmaking standpoint, it was amazing. And like I suspected, it did not have a happy ending. But because there were no characters that I really loved, I guess that didn't really bother me. The main family were all kind of terrible people, so I didn't think they deserved a happy ending. So anyway, would I recommend this movie? Maybe? If you're okay with violence, language, adult situations, etc., I think it's worth checking out for adults. This is 100% not a movie for kids. Or even really sensitive, extremely empathetic adults. I'm glad I saw it for myself, but I can't see myself re-watching it anytime soon. Okay, back to the episode. My number six is The Peanut Butter Falcon. And this ah. one I literally just watched like two hours ago. <laughs> and it, it made ah. my top ten. Okay, what is this about? So this one is about this guy. He's, I'm pretty sure they said he was 22. He's living in a retirement facility because he has Down syndrome. He has no family that will take care of him. Like it's hinted that he maybe had family, but they kind of abandoned him. It's never really gone into, but he knows he doesn't belong in a retirement facility. So he escapes and the movie follows him as he teams up with this other guy played by Shia LaBeouf. And they basically go on a, a quest to find this wrestler that this kid has been watching for years on a VHS tape. So they're like trekking through the Florida swamps because this other guy is also on the run. And it's just this road trip movie, I guess you could say, but they're not like driving. They're like going through the swamps. They're on boats. They're on foot. It's just a weird movie. It sort of has a Napoleon Dynamite-ish feel to it because it just feels like real people, but slightly weird, you know? It's just right. it's really different and enjoyable. And just like, I was so invested in these characters the only thing that I will say about this movie is that I did not like the ending, but not because it ended badly. It ended fine, but it just feels like it just ended. Like it, it could have gone on for 10, 20 more minutes telling me the rest of the story. It felt like they just quit. Like there, it felt oh. like there was more story to go and it just ended. So I think oh, you mean you, you felt that it was too abrupt. Yeah, definitely. It was very abrupt. Like I'm not going to tell you what happens because it's definitely right. this is another one that I feel like you should go in blind. Not because there's a mystery or anything, but just like it's just fun to watch these characters not knowing what's gonna happen. But okay. when the end comes, I was just like, wait, that's it? That's the end. So like yeah. I really liked this movie, but I would have loved this movie if they had given it a longer, more satisfying ending. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, well. I didn't know much about this movie, but I did know that Shia LaBeouf was in it, and I do like Shia LaBeouf ever since. Ever since I watched Even Stevens on Disney yeah. Channel, I always, always loved him, and I, I've been following his career because he's a really amazing actor. Yeah. And so I've had this one on my radar, so I've been planning to watch this, and I'm very glad to hear that you enjoyed it so much because yeah. it's giving me... Uh, more of an incentive to check it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely check that one out. I really liked it. 
Okay, that's it for the first half of our list of our top 10 favorite films of 2019. However, before we leave, I actually have one more movie to tell you about that actually would have changed my list had I seen it before we recorded. In a way, I'm glad I didn't see it beforehand because as it stands now, this movie would have been my number 5, so all the movies in my list would have shifted back one, and then there wouldn't have been a battle for the number 10 slot, and I wouldn't have had an excuse to tell you about Fast Color, which I really liked, so I'm glad that worked out. And yeah, I probably could have waited to tell you about this one next time, but I think we talk about our top 5 films a lot longer than we do our numbers 10 through 6, so I figured this episode could use a little extra content, and this way I won't have to interrupt next time. Anyway, what movie did I see that was so good that it immediately jumped into my top 5 movies of 2019? Actually, it was Little Women. There was a lot of buzz around this movie, especially around the Oscars, partially because people said Greta Gerwig, the director, was snubbed. And yeah, I think that's probably true, but to be fair, I always think the Oscars snub just about everyone I like, so I guess I'm not up in arms about it because that's basically par for the course for me. And plus, Bong Joon-ho won anyway for Parasite, and I hate to say it, even though I love Little Women way more than Parasite, even if she had been nominated, I think I probably would have given the Best Director Oscar to him anyway. Her work was amazing, but with the way that film was shot, it was slightly more amazing. <laughs> Sorry Greta, I loved your work anyway. There was also a lot of people talking about this movie before it was released because this was two years in a row that there was a mainstream, theatrically released adaptation of Little Women, and the 2018 version was apparently terrible. I can't say I never saw it, but I did see this one. And I have to say, the hype is real. It was a great film. And I will say, I'm not super familiar with the source material. I definitely read Little Women. I read the whole trilogy as a kid. But that was so long ago, the only thing I really remembered was that someone died. <laughs> so half the movie I was trying to brace myself for somebody dying and trying to remember which person was going to be dead by the end. But then as the movie went on, I remembered more and more. And I appreciated how much they must have been sticking to the book because I was remembering so many things that I thought I had long forgotten. And I could be wrong, like I said, it's been ages. But I will probably revisit this sometime in the future, like doing a whole series on Little Women. So we'll see then how it holds up. And this one was also told in a slightly unconventional way, as the movie starts with Joe in New York trying to become a writer, and we see her and her sisters grow up through flashbacks. And normally this could easily be a gimmick, but I think they did a great job making it seem really natural. They wove the two halves of the story together really well. Anyway, if you're a fan of Little Women, period pieces, or just want a good, clean family film to watch, then I definitely recommend Little Women. It was so good and well worth a watch for just about anybody. Okay, I think that does it for this episode. Like I said, Eli and I will be back next time to finish off our list with our top 5 films of 2019. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.